Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Our sermon text today comes from Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. As you heard from our psalm, there are two different ways in which a person might walk. The walk of righteousness or the walk of wickedness. As I already stated at the beginning of the service today, we're going to talk about these two different paths, but also a third path. That third path is a result of walking down the way of wickedness so far that we wonder, how might we ever come back? But first, we're going to talk about the way of wickedness. The psalm says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. And in these words, we have this process that leads us into greater and greater and greater sin and a greater and greater association with things that, that are evil, things that are wicked. It begins like this. Each of us has in us a desire for good things. And this desire is God-given, a desire for fellowship and companionship, a desire to indeed have joy and comforts and health. All of these things are good and godly desires, but what we oftentimes fail to recognize is just how bent broken and corrupted these desires become. So much so that we can be walking along our way and then something all of a sudden will grab our attention and cause us to change our course, to walk towards something that is not a part of God's will, not something that God intends for us. These desires lead us, these broken desires lead us to want to have what we want now to take shortcuts, to get around things. And so we're tempted in our relationships to have great relationships, but those relationships oftentimes turn into lust or jealousy. We're, we're tempted, we desire actually, I'm sorry, we desire to have comforts. And so how often that desire for comfort gets twisted and is turned into laziness or stealing. And so something along the way makes it a little bit easier for us to wander down the path. Something catches our eye, something that looks pleasing to our eye. And so we begin to walk in the counsel of the wicked. That all comes from that broken desire inside of each of us for things that are good. And in desiring for good, we oftentimes reach for evil. And as we are reaching for something evil, as we are contemplating maybe carrying out the, the act or the attitude or the thought that might be sinful, we find ourselves in good company. If you notice in verse 1, the wicked... The sinners, the scoffers, they all have this in common. They're all plural, right? I don't mean to go too far into grammar. In fact, this is about as far into grammar as I can take you, actually. But they're all plural, right? You have more than one sinner, more than one scoffer, more than one wicked person. And so if you are looking for a friend, if you're looking for a companionship, I recommend sin because you'll always find plenty of people along the way. It's great. That, okay, that joke has failed twice, and I'm sorry for saying it. To me, it's funny, and I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to stick with it. But anyhow, as we walk down this way, of course, we find that encouragement. As we're being drawn towards something that is sinful, some kind of shortcut in our lives, something that isn't exactly what God intended, some bent or broken desire for something, of course, we find ourselves in that counsel. We can counsel ourselves even. We can say, well, what I'm doing is not that bad. And we can always find a whole chorus of voices that will applaud what you do and we will tell you that you're good, and we will tell you not to worry about it. 
we never run short of justification whenever we're trying to walk down this path. The wicked are plural. The sinners are plural. The scoffers are plural. And so we find ourselves standing there after we've been drawn towards something in that moment of decision. We find ourselves standing in the way of sinners. And as we're standing there, as we're contemplating temptations that are building up inside of us, whatever they might be, we find that encouragement. And oftentimes that encouragement takes us over the edge. We no longer pause, but we keep going further and further down the road. So that suddenly the thing that we have desired, the thing that we have been pursuing is ours. But unfortunately, sitting at the seat of scoffers is not everything that we hoped it would be. When our thoughts and our attitudes finally conceive sin in our lives, what we find is that the feast of scoffers is a table for one. Because the result of our sinful actions, more often than not, burn out the relationships around us and put us in a desperate state before God. Other translations call it the seat of mockers, not the seat of scoffers, but it's basically the same thing. Why is it called mockery or why is it called scoffing? That's because the things that we desire cannot compare to the good that God desires to give us. The things that we desire in this life through our broken, sinful nature cannot compare to the desire or to the things that God desires to give us. The fruit of our idolatry, the fruit of our, of our lust, of our anger, of our rage, of our hurt that causes us to pursue these sins, we finally get them. It's not what we wanted. You might be tempted to speak a word of anger to finally let all that rage that's been building up inside of you out and finally fix the person who's in front of you. But what happens when you get that? You don't get joy. You don't get peace with that person. You get a big plate of regret. When your problems and pain in this world become too much that you seek to just distract yourself and medicate yourself in things that are shallow, what do you get? Shallowness. Emptiness. A plate of nothing. These are not the things, and they don't compare to the things that God desires to give us. And there's another reason why it's called the seat of mockers still, and that's because, of course, the joke is on you. The things that we think we will feast on end up feasting on us. We are not the guest. We are the first course. So our sins continue to devour us the further we walk down this way until we find ourselves at that table. And when that devouring happens, we find ourselves having gone down this path of the wicked. We might also, facing the consequences of our sin, find ourselves in the way of those who are far off. Those who are far off are those who have felt the consequences of their sins. Those who are far off have had relationships in their lives suffer because of that sin and also the relationship with God so that they feel that they are alone, so that they feel that they are, in fact, so far away from the path of righteousness that there seems to be no way to get back there. Those who are sitting in the place of the far off hear the voices that, that the devil speaks through so often. Satan is known as the accuser for a reason because he tells you that, of course, there's no way back, because the things you do are irredeemable, because you are irredeemable. So you are told this time and time again, and meanwhile, while you sit there in this place of, far, of, of those who are far off, your perspective changes as well. 
Sitting here, you notice that while you have suffered the consequence of your sins, those who are going by you down the road of wickedness seem to be doing just fine. The rich and the powerful in every nation seem to be able to craft laws that suit their own sins and to make it legal, to make it easier. There are, there are those who claim to be on the side of the weak and the poor, but all they want to do is devour them. And yet for all of this, there seems to be no justice, no retribution. As you sit in the place of the far off, you're wondering, you're wondering why in the world are they prospering? How is it that they're prospering? And in this place, perhaps our pain grows a little bit deeper. As we hear Psalm 1 talk about the blessed way of the righteous, the way of the righteous is like this. It's a state of happiness. The word blessed actually can mean happy. It's a stable way. It's a well-rooted way. It's a way that is dug down deep into the good things of this world and the good things that God has given so that it produces fruit in any season. That the way of the righteous prospers in good works. And not only that, but the way of the righteous, those who walk in that way, come to delight in God's law. We are so often terrified of God's law. Whenever we hear the commandments, we know our pain. We know the sins that we've broken. Or the commandments that we've broken. We know the sins we've committed. But the way the righteous somehow isn't terrified, but actually delights in the law of the Lord. And so as we look at the way of the righteous, we come to notice this, the first of two surprises about this psalm. We already noted that, that the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers, those are all plural. But as we read this, for the most part, the way of the righteous is singular. Blessed is the man. Who? The man. One. One man. Blessed is the man who does not walk in this way. That one man is like someone who's a tree planted by streams of water, who prospers in every season. That one man delights in the law of the Lord. We feel immediately, especially if we are far off, how narrow that way of righteousness looks before us. How intimidating and terrifying it is to even think that we could ever set foot on it or set foot on it, on it again. And I'll tell you this, that, that as we read through the psalm, and as, as I've studied the psalm, I haven't found any commentators that say that, that Psalm 1 is a direct prophecy of Jesus. But we can't help but see Jesus in it, at least. Even generally describing the benefits of righteousness, we can't help but see the only one who is righteous experiencing these benefits as the psalm describes them. So yeah, it is Jesus, the righteous one, the one who walks this path, the one who says about, the God, about God's commands that blessed is the one who hears the word and keeps them. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because he promises that they will be filled. We see how Jesus delighted in the law of the Lord, how he delighted in his oneness with the Father, and how he was certain of the path that he was on. But I also want to call your attention to this as well. This path of righteousness that Jesus walked took him around the way, or took him to the way of those who are far off. It happened like this. The same Jesus who delights in the law of the Lord also knew what it was like to be cast out. In his own hometown in Nazareth, after declaring in not so many words that he was the Messiah, a gang gathered against him and tried to kill him by taking him out of town and throwing him off a cliff. It was this Jesus who was carried away in cuffs and suffered injustice. This Jesus who was cast out of Jerusalem on the edge of the city, far away from the temple and crucified. 
It was this Jesus who, yes, did say that the law of the Lord is blessed, but also cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This Jesus knows the way of the far off. He's walked it himself. So Psalm 1 takes us to this place. And Psalm 1 doesn't always appear to be describing the reality that we live in. It does not seem like the righteous prosper, but rather the wicked. It does not seem like it's possible even to walk the path of of the righteous as we sit in the place of the far off. Yet here we have it. And as we go through, Psalm 1 introduces the rest of the Psalms. There are 150 Psalms, so Psalm 1 kind of introduces one of the major themes that will follow in the next 149 Psalms, this blessed way of the righteous. But we hear the honest prayers of the Psalms too. The people who wrote the Psalms wrestled with this stuff as well. Psalm 73 says, ask the question, why are the wicked prospering? And Psalm 74 takes it a note further saying, God, when will you remember us? We who are far off, when will you remember your covenant and your promises to us? Aren't you who you say you are, God? That might be your prayer. And if that is your prayer, then I have a story for you. There's two men who go to the temple one day to worship. One is a Pharisee. The other is a tax collector. The Pharisee, of course, has a reputation for righteousness tax collector has a reputation for all things opposite that. And so the righteous, or the righteous Pharisee and the wicked tax collector go to the temple. And the Pharisee walks right up down the center aisle and he sits down and he begins to pray and he says, Lord, I thank you for not making me like the rest of those sinners out there. Good prayer. <laughs> thank you for making me like the rest of those sinners out there. Meanwhile, One of those sinners out there is actually sitting back there. And you can tell he's a Lutheran. He's sitting in the back. He's in the back of the temple, not daring to go forward. And and, and there he is in the back, hugging the wall of the temple, and he is beating his breast, praying, Lord God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's his prayer. Not eloquent, but broken. Not rich, poor. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus tells this story Luke chapter 18, and he says that the one who walked away justified was the tax collector. He went to his home that day forgiven of his sins. And in that story, we learn this. The Lord brings his salvation near. Isaiah 46, verses 12 to 13, declares to those who are stubborn of heart, to those who have wandered away, that the Lord will bring his salvation near. And that's exactly what God does in Jesus Christ. And this leads us to the second surprise of this psalm. Blessed is the man, singular, who prospers, singular, still one person, who delights in the law, still one person, until we get all the way to to the end, where it talks about standing in the judgment and and how the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The surprise is, is that righteous is plural, The way of the righteous seems lonely, seems isolated, seems like it's only for one until we get to the end. And all of a sudden, standing before the Lord, receiving his rewards, is the righteous, the many righteous, those who were justified by this Jesus Christ. So then it goes. 
for us. Blessed are those who have wandered far away, who stand stalled out in their sin. They have been found by the Lord, and they will sit at the feast of the righteous.